They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air, loud mouths disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? People actually listen to these people. So my man's breaking down. He's, he's struggling right now because he's, th he's thinking, you have these people, they're prosperous, they're making money, they're having influence, and people are listening to them. Can you believe it, God? So as he's venting, he says, what's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Don't act like we never prayed that prayer, especially the last couple weeks. Right? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have it made, piling up riches. I've been stupid to play by the rules. Who has it got, where has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck. That's what, a long run of bad luck. A slap in the face every time I walk out the door. If I had given in and talked like this, I would have betrayed your deal, church. And still, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. Can somebody say amen? Until, so you went from the butt, now the until, until, watch what happens, I entered the sanctuary of God. So this worship leader's breaking down. All the butts in the world, yeah, but, but, where are you, God? Until I entered the sanctuary of God. And this is what happened, I saw the whole picture, the slippery road you put him on with a final crash in a ditch of delusions, in the blink of an eye disaster, a blind curve in the dark and the nightmare. We wake up, rub our eyes, nothing. There's nothing to them and there never was. When I was beleaguered or builder, totally consumed by envy, I was totally ignorant. A dumb ox in your very presence. I'm still in your presence. Ain't it, praise God right now that you could be dumb and still be in his presence. He's like, I'm a dumb ox in your very presence. I'm still in your presence, but you've taken my hand. You wisely and tenderly lead me, and then you bless me. You are all I want in heaven. You're all I want on earth. When my skin sags and my bones get brittle, God is rock firm and faithful. Look, those who left you are falling apart. Deserters, they will never be heard from again. But I'm in the very presence of God. Oh, how refreshing it is. I've made Lord my home. God, I'm telling the whole world what you do. Telling the whole world what you do. You saw him going from the breakdown, crying out, complaining, not just to God, but he was complaining about God, and then found his way back into the presence of God. So we saw this worship leader have a breakdown, but still end up with a breakthrough. From breakdown to breakthrough. And if you ever lead worship here, trust me, you have all permission to break down, especially if it ends with a breakthrough. But his basic cry was, God, this isn't fair. There are moments, if he caught those moments, he's looking at people getting prosperous and he's saying, it isn't fair. And that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. Amen? If you're ready, say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As you're being seated, look to the person next to you and say, where's your notebook? What is wrong with you? Where is your notebook? Come on. How are you going to come to church with no notebook? That's not fair. Every parent, I could almost put a lot of money on it, every parent in this room, if you haven't gotten it yet, you will get it. Where your kids come up to you and go, it's not fair. Anybody? It's just not fair. I remember my son, my oldest son, he's now 17, and, and I remember... It was cute 
in the beginning, he used to be like, life's not fair. That's what he used to say. Life's like this little chunky, well-fed kid talk about life's not fair. And it was cute until about when he hit six. And I'm like, all right, it's not cute anymore. So I, I taught him this phrase, and maybe, maybe you use this phrase. Yo, you get what you get, and you don't get upset. You get what you get, and you don't get upset. And he, and he, he was startled for a second when he first heard that, and he goes, yeah, but, but you, you've never experienced how unfair I've had it. So I told him a couple stories, just a couple, so they understand that, yo, your dad has gone through very unfair things, Right? Very unfair things. I, I, I grew up without my biological father. Did I do anything to deserve that? No, that's unfair. I remember in high school, I asked this girl out to, to be my date to the prom, and everything was going great. And so the week before prom, her dad found out I was Puerto Rican because I'm low-key Puerto Rican, apparently. I don't know what that means. She found out I was Puerto Rican, and she broke up with me a week before prom just because I was Puerto Rican. Then I remember one day I was, I, I was doing a good thing and I was being a good wingman. Come on, anybody watch Top Gun? I was a good wingman and I took my boy to go see this girl in Atlantic City. He didn't have a car, I did. So I said, yo, hook me up with $5. Remember when $5 went a long way? Ooh. <laughs> hook me up with $5, drove him to Atlantic City. I was being a good wingman. So he could meet up with this girl and I said, hey man, I'm getting hungry. I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to McDonald's, right? And so I went over to McDonald's, I ordered my 10-piece nugget meal and vanilla shake. Back then I could get away with it, right? And I ordered, I'm walking out the door and somebody walks up to me and goes, yo, you that dude Robert? And I was like, I don't know who Robert is. And all of a sudden I get this punch in the back of my head, boom. I got beat down by three guys outside of McDonald's for no reason. And I remember it like it was yesterday as I'm sitting there just getting everything thrown at me. I'm watching this couple, and I, and, I, and I always remember this, in the Mitsubishi Eclipse. Remember when those were cool? Mitsubishi Eclipse. They're just sitting there eating fries, watching me get my butt whooped. And me thinking in my head, what did I do to deserve this? It's unfair. So as I'm telling him these stories, he's like, all right, you got me. You understand what it means to to experience a life that's unfair. And I think in order for us to truly understand biblical justice, we have to go through what Asaph went through and kind of go through the motions of, okay, we're gonna complain, we're gonna grumble, we're gonna process, we're even gonna complain about God to God, and, and we're gonna go through these moments in our lives where we say, God, it's not fair. And for definition's sake, when I say, it's not fair. What we really mean, don't go to Webster's Dictionary because the word fair actually means justice. But I think when we talk about fairness, we talk, we're basically defining it, it's one for one, right? That it's sameness is what we're asking. Everything needs to be the same from one person to the next. And that sounds good, but I think as Christians, what we need to do is we need to substitute fairness with justice. And that's gonna be my plea for this whole entire morning, for us to understand that to order, in order to, to really get a hold of biblical justice, we gotta get away from fairness. Because fairness is one-to-one, -one. it's equal. Everyone gets the same. But here's the way God functions. God functions through justice. Deuteronomy 32.4 says this, the rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright, 
he is. And I love in scripture, and man, I wish we could go through all, because justice is, an, is, is, is a major theme in scripture. You cannot get away from justice when you're really reading scripture. But one of the things I love is as I was restudying everything again in regards to justice, that justice always goes hand in hand with righteousness. Justice is actually used always either alongside or it's synonymous with the word righteousness. We read it in Job 37, 23. It says this, that the Almighty is beyond our region, exalted in power. Watch this. In his justice and great righteousness, he does not oppress. In Psalm 33, 5, it says the, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. Psalm 89, 14 says this, righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne are the foundations of his throne. So justice is the same thing as his righteousness. This is where I'm going with it. Sometimes things aren't fair, but they could still be right. Let me break it down for you. Right now, I'm dealing with this now with teenagers. Again, we have a 17-year-old, and now Hunter, our youngest, he's about to turn, he's about to turn 15 this Friday. Pray for your boy, all right? So imagine one day Hunter's like, it's not fair that Chase gets to drive the car and I don't. It's not fair. It's not fair that Chase gets to stay up all late and I have an actual bedtime and curfew. It's not fair. It might not be fair, but it is right. Going back to the driving thing, Chase has a license. Chase passed his test. Okay? You are barely 15. The problem is, he's the tallest dude in the house. So at times, I gotta remind myself, I, even like I'm not even looking him in the eye when I'm talking, I'm looking down at him to make sure that he knows that I'm still the authority in this house. So I'm just looking at his neighbor like, say something, say something. But I understand that, 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 that fairness says one for one. But what's right as a parent is that yes, I'm letting Chase drive the car because Chase has his permit. When you get to that season, then it will be right for you. See, here's what we don't understand. That a blessing too soon is no longer a blessing. A blessing too soon is actually a curse in your life. And most of the time, when we're sitting here complaining to God, like, it's not fair, it's not fair. Maybe God's not being fair, he's actually being right. It's, it's not fair that this person, they, they just have a nasty attitude and they over there have a husband and I'm over here being righteous and single. It's not fair, God. It's not fair that that person has money and I'm over here sacrificing, giving to you on a consistent basis and I don't have that same blessing. It's not fair. Maybe God's not being fair, but he's definitely being right. Because in all his ways are justice. In all his ways are justice. So... Big encouraging statement here, life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Thank you, Pastor Mike. You can leave now if you don't like that statement. But let's identify that life isn't fair. Why? Because life, we have this thing called free will. And unless we're tethered to the authority of God, unless we're following his righteousness, the whole world isn't always following his righteousness. Shoot, sometimes I'm not always following his righteousness. So the reason life's not fair is because it's not attached to the righteousness of God. But then there are moments when we are attached to the righteousness of God and then we could flow in justice. 
So life isn't fair. But us as Christians, us as believers, what are we supposed to do? The Bible says, ready for this one? We're supposed to actually do justice. That's our responsibility is to do justice. Isaiah 117, and you're going to hear this verse a lot in this series. It says this, learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. We're called to do justice. Micah 6, 8 says this. He has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love and to walk humbly with your God. That we're called to do justice. Again, this is not a political message, but I need everyone to pay attention to this. I am not talking about social justice. I'm not. Here's why. I think it did start with a great intent, but social justice right now is like a, a politically charged word, all right? I don't know if you know this, I'm not a Republican, nor am I a Democrat. And I don't do that just because I'm safe and I'm playing Switzerland. I do that because I am more dedicated to the truth of God than I am a political party. And what I want us to do is to follow our Holy Spirit convictions and we vote based on those convictions. I want to teach our church that at the end of the day, we're not going to agree on everything. But where we disagree, we don't have to be disagreeable. Because God, his prayer, Jesus, his prayer request, Father, make them one as you and I are one. And I, as, as for me, I, I'm 41 now. For the rest of my life, I'm going to fight this. I am tired of Sunday morning being the most segregated time in America. Tired of it. And, and not, we're, we're doing all right. Listen, I love the fact that fervent is very multi-ethnic. But if we learned anything during the pandemic and through all this political stuff, we've been divided politically, if not ethnically. And that is not the will of God. That is not the will of God. Jesus specifically said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Right? So we don't, we don't, this is not a political. So when I'm talking about social justice, I'm not talking about social justice. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about personal justice. All of our arguments, all of our arguments are mostly because we're expecting a government to impart what justice is and to teach what justice is. This is a crazy idea. Please don't email me. Just listen. Give me a clean slate for a second. I don't care where you, what, aisle you, you, what side of the aisle you fall in regards to things like gun control, abortion, you, you name it. And, and we, we could easily divide the church right now. But, but here's what I'm saying. What if, what if we stop making the government responsible for teaching justice and we start doing justice? It's not, it's not a government responsibility. It's a personal responsibility. If, if it was a government responsibility, listen to me, if it was a government responsibility, when Jesus walked on this planet, he would have overthrown the Roman Empire, right? He would have overthrown the Roman Empire. He would have been a, a political figure. He wasn't a political figure. He was a personal savior. And so therefore, when he's asking us to do justice, it is a personal responsibility. You know what I want to do? I want to get to the point where it doesn't matter what the government says about guns. It doesn't matter what the government says about abortions, that we love our families, we care for the next generation, and it doesn't even have to get to this point. 
The government can legalize heroin if all I care. You know what? As for me and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's the answer. That's the answer. So if we could all get behind that, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Bless you if you're a Republican. Bless you if you're, you're a Democrat. Bless, bless you if you're a Libertarian. It doesn't matter. I'm talking about kingdom-minded people. Kingdom-minded people that are interested in doing kingdom-minded things. So in this unfair world, we are charged biblically to present the righteousness of God to everyone around us. That's what we're charged with. And the world can be a more equitable place if we did that. Not obedient to a party, obedient to his word. And to do justice. I would say it this way. It is his will that we will do his will. It is his will that we will do his will. So we got to get a hold of what does it mean for us to truly walk out biblical and personal justice, because it's a personal responsibility. Ready for this one? In order to do biblical justice, number one, we have to understand this, that justice is defined by God. Justice is defined by God. It is not defined by anyone else. In fact, I would actually say this way. We attach justice to righteousness, and let me attach it to something else. The justice of God is deeply rooted in his holiness. It's deeply rooted in his holiness. Justice has to start with holiness. There has never been a time, we just read the verse, there's never been a time where God was an unjust God because he's a never-changing God. He's always been just, all right? He has his unchanging nature. He is immutable. He cannot change, and he's always been holy. So our justice needs to be placed in God's hands, not in our hands. And this is why I have to say that justice needs to be defined by God. Because sometimes, folks, we love to define justice. Because, remember, fairness is one-on-one. But how do we humanly define justice? Justice is when that person gets what they deserve. Right? Don't front. All y'all were in that Johnny Depp court thing. And some of you are like, she got what she deserved. How you going to poop on my man's bed? Come on. Right? Some of y'all are like that. Some of y'all, maybe some of y'all were pro-amber. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What it is, though, it revealed to us that that's what, how we define justice. Justice is when that person gets what they deserve. Here's the problem, though. Our definition of what they deserve isn't based on his holiness. It's based on our emotions. Right? It's based on our emotions. And I don't know about you, but my emotions are very fickle. I could feel something one day and then not feel it the next day. Come on. I could look at my boys like, man, they're so awesome. And the next day, I want to choke slam both of them at the same time. But that's why, that's why we can't attach justice to our emotions. Justice needs to be attached to his holiness. So therefore, Christians, we cannot take justice in our own hands. We just can't. It has to be defined. It has to be fueled by his word. It has to be fueled by his presence, right? What did Asaph do? He went into the sanctuary. He went into the presence of God and it changed up his attitude. Your attitude adjustment is found in the presence of God. Write that down. 
Your attitude adjustment is found in the presence of God. And so that's why justice needs to be defined by God. We don't have the license to give people what they deserve. We don't. We do not have the license to give people what they deserve because normally it's attached to our emotions. Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. That's messed up. If you ever have a list when you call to preach. 1 Thessalonians 4, 6. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger in all things. He's the avenger in all things. No, it was not Captain America. It wasn't Iron Man. If I had a lisp, it wasn't Thor, right? It's, it's Jesus was the avenger. He's the avenger who, who does the right things. He's in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. So, so we have to trust that Jesus and God is going to handle justice the right way because justice needs to be defined by God. Number two, justice is paced by God. Ooh, I don't like this one. I don't like this one. Can I be honest with you? Because, all right, God, you define justice, but can you do it now? Now, ahora, if you're Spanish. Right now, but it's very, if you go through scripture, it's very rare that God delivers instant justice. What did Asaph say in, in, in Psalm 73? He said, it took a while. He said, he said I had to read it towards the end of the book to actually see where they were going. Because when I take a snapshot of where they are, they're living that glamorous life. They're living that glamorous life and I'm over here struggling right now when you take that snapshot. But I read the end of the book I went to Revelations. I know that we're going to get to a place where we'll hunger no more, neither shall we thirst anymore, right? I know we're going to get to a place where every eye will be dry and we'll worship God together. I know we're going to get to that place right now, but right now, they're getting on my nerves, God. Right? Right now, I'm bitter. Right now, I'm envious. So we have to understand that justice is paced by God. They will, even the Bible says, evil may endure for a moment. Ugh. It may, but what happens? Joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. My day is coming. They might have their day now, but my day is coming. So this pace, I have to acknowledge that not only, not only can I put justice in my hands, justice needs to not move according to my watch. We need to get it out of our hands and off of our watch. Because sometimes you're looking at, when, God, when are they going to get it? When are they going to get it? And believe it or not, there's probably somewhere, somewhere on this earth, maybe in New Jersey, maybe in your county, maybe in your house, where in the other room they're praying, God, when are they going to get it? Real talk, right? Spouses, come on. When are they going to get it? And we have to understand justice is paced by God. Malachi 2.17 says this, you have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, they ask, by saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord and he is pleased with them. Or you might say this, where is the God of justice? You will get to those questions. I love how the Bible is just like raw and honest. Like people are just like, ah, you know, sometimes I just feel unholy. Like how? There's so many relevant and relatable people here. If you read it and it's just a, yo, where is, the, where is, where are you at? 
Yo, God, where you at? Because I'm not feeling it right now. And we have to understand that justice is paced by God. Number three and last one. This is my favorite one. Okay, online, get ready for your fire emojis. In this room, I wouldn't be mad at you if you stood up. But you got to get excited by this. Justice and mercy are connected by God. Justice and mercy are connected by God. The funny thing is, if you look at justice and you look at mercy, especially the way we define it, you would think they were incompatible, right? You would think, okay, justice is someone getting what they deserve, right? And mercy is not getting what you deserve. You would think they're incompatible. You would think that you wouldn't put those things together. And this week in your collectives, here's your anchor point for your discussions. If you don't know collectives, they talk every single day uh, on our app, and, and they have weekly meetups where they get together and they have conversations about the sermon. And here's your anchor point. God isn't fair. He's holy. God isn't fair. He's holy. And I want us to just start thanking God that he isn't fair. Start getting to the place where you think, no, no, no. I'm no longer just going to cry and whine about that life isn't fair. I want to thank God that he isn't fair. Stop for a second. Imagine, folks, if you did get what you deserved. Imagine if you did. Imagine if we were still stuck in the Old Testament. Every time you stole something, your hand got cut off. There'd be a lot of nubby worshiping today, right? Hallelujah. Right? A lot of nubby worship. If you lust after a person, you pluck your own eye out, right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth is what the Old Testament said. Thank God I'm not getting what I deserve. Thank God life isn't fair. That's what I want this church to start acting. Thank God he didn't give me what I deserve. So how did he connect justice and mercy? How do those two, those two, justice and mercy, intersected at the cross? That's what happens. It intersected at the cross. Because you want to, if anybody has the audacity to look to God and say, this isn't fair, it's Jesus. You're telling me that I have to live on this planet 33 years, sinless, sinless, and be lied to? rejected, lied about, go, have the crowd love me one second and then hate me the next, go through betrayal, go through loss, have my own team, my own staff, my boys, actually, they're going to be the ones that one person is going to backstab me. And then I have to pay for their stupidity. If anybody has the right to say it's not fair, it's Jesus. So my prayer is that I hope that we get to a place where we say, thank God, thank God, fairness ended at the cross. Thank God fairness ended at the cross. Thank God that I'm not getting what I deserve. Thank God that Jesus, that Jesus took what I deserve and paid the penalty for me. Thank God for that. Romans 3, 24 says this, and we are justified. I love that word justified. You know what justified means? Just as if 
I didn't sin. We are justified by his grace as a gift. I didn't earn it. This is mercy through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as propitiation. Thank you, girl. As propitiation. That word, we don't use propitiation, but propitiation means that it satisfied God. It satisfied the wrath of God. And watch this. I love this. To be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness, his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, remember the pace of justice? Thank God he didn't give me justice right then and there. The Bible says he actually waited. Through his forbearance, he passed over my former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. For the one who has faith in Jesus. Our justice, when we do justice, it's not about giving people what they deserve. It's not about giving people what they deserve. It's, our justice is about us representing the justice of God, which is the righteousness of God, which is based on his holiness. Our job is when we look at the homeless person, we can't say, homeless person, you're getting what you deserve. We can't say, addict, you're getting what you deserve. You can't say, cheater, you're getting what you deserve. When we do justice, we're representing the justice of God, which intersects with mercy. So therefore, when we do justice, we don't give people what they deserve. We deliver the mercy and grace of God. The mercy and grace of God. Through what? Through personal acts of love. P-A-L. You need to be a pal. Personal acts of love to those around you. I'm not putting the responsibility on the church. Yeah, I'm going to wait till pastor puts together an outreach. I'm going to wait till this. Yeah, we're going to do that stuff, but this world's going to change a lot better and a lot more efficiently if you took on the personal responsibility to do justice. To do justice. Because you could preach, and I've watched other pastors and other churches, they preach about justice all the time. You could preach about justice and not lead people to the real Jesus. People could go to hell with a full stomach. All right? You could preach about justice and still not lead people to Jesus. But however, if you're preaching the real Jesus, justice is inevitable. So we're going to preach the real Jesus. And this is what Jesus told us to do, to care for the widows. To care for the orphans. To, to love the fatherless. To love our neighbor as ourselves, to do justice, not caring about their skin color, their credit score, where they live, what, what kind of past they have. None of that matters because when we do justice, it's intersected with his justice and mercy. And that's how you become ambassador of Jesus. That's how we do it. And so, um, I want to pray for some people today. So if you can, let's all stand up. And uh, on the first Sunday of the month, we, we have communion together. And uh, right now, if you're watching us online, you want to grab a piece of bread and some grape juice. We're going to have communion together. And um, here's what I'm going to say. You don't have to be a member of our church to take communion. You just have to be a part of the body of Christ. And maybe you're not yet. But now this has compelled you a little bit. You realize that, oh, wow, when I'm, 
when I'm listening to people complain about how crazy this world is and how, um, where is God in all this? There's actually another side to this that thank God that he's not fair. Thank God that Jesus took all my sins, every sin, every mistake I've made, every mistake I'm making and every mistake I'm gonna make, Jesus took it on the cross for you. And you never heard it like that. You've never felt that level of love and acceptance and no one's ever put it that way. And again, whether you're watching online, you're physically here today and, and you, you really wanna say, you know what? I want Jesus in my life. I want a relationship. I wanna pray for you right now. So every head bowed and eyes closed. Father, I pray right now for those who um, maybe for the first time or heck, even for the 50th time, they wanna return to you and reconnect, re-surrender, re-establish a relationship with you. We accept this gift of mercy and justice. We accept it. It's a gift. There's nothing I could do to earn it. So I receive this gift. I receive it, God. Remind me that I don't live a better life for grace. I live it because of grace. Because of grace, I could get back up and do your will in my life. Because of grace, I'm not enslaved to my past any longer. So I'm not a cheater, I'm not a divorcee, I'm not a whatever label this world that has put on me, I'm no longer that, I'm a child of God. Because the cross has allowed me to be adopted into this holy family. Thank you, Lord, for this gift. Thank you, Lord. And Holy Spirit, remind me, if I ever try to earn it, remind me again that this is a pure gift. In Jesus' name, amen.